with every week that goes on in this final series in 2018. The storylines just keep on coming at us. It's the season that keeps on giving in regards to storylines. Hi, everybody. This is You Can Take Me Now. I've seen it all. Warren Smith back in the chair this week with Matty Russell and Lara Pitt. And guys, after a couple of weeks' absence, I've got to say it's great to be back talking about the footy. Was it is great to be back, Lara. It's not the same without the the trio. The energy in the room has lifted. And it just did not (laughs) feel right filling in saying, you can take me now, I've seen it all, because yeah. no one can do it like Warren no. Smith can. Now, I wanted to say off the top, um, <laughs> thanks, guys, for doing what you did over the last couple of weeks. The first week I was missing because I was playing in the Australian uh, Golf Hickory Championship, playing with old clubs, 90, 100 years old, some of them, and uh, down at Royal Melbourne, the, the top course in the country. The winds were blowing at 50 and 60 kilometres per hour, and it was one of the toughest golfing days. I was mentally fried by the end of it. And the winner shot a score of 81. Nine over par was the best score. And that's a pro, uh, mind you, who had nine over par. So that even with the old gear tells you how tough a day it was on Royal Melbourne West. I shot, I broke 100 by one <laughs> shot. I had 99. And I knew pretty early on with the winds blowing as they were, um, it wasn't going to be my day. There was going to be no trophy back here in the Take Me Now. I've sent it all headquarters to, to, to show off off Aww. the back of my efforts at Royal Melbourne. Damn it. Yeah. No trophy. No trophy. But, you know, there's always next year. Yeah. And we'll see how we go next year. And then last week, unfortunately, I was missing because um, it's been a tough week for the um, the Smith family, but also the extended family. Um, my wife's mum, Bev Matthews, um, 85 years of age, has had a battle with Alzheimer's, so I guess for the, probably the last six, seven, eight years in reality, probably. And even though she's, you know, been able to function and manage that as best you can when you're in that situation at that time of your life, when you're battling this insidious disease, um, in the end, uh, complications came about and the end was pretty sudden as it turns out and um, my wife is my hero because she has been absolutely magnificent over the past week and a half given, um, you know, she's had to see sit there and watch her mum slip away from us um, and she's an only child, um, Janine, so, um, you know, basically she was executive producer in, you know, in TV terms uh, of producing, you know, the final stage of a mum's life, um, the care in the hospital right through to organising a funeral and everything, and it was spread over basically you know, a week, um, which coincided with week two of the finals and then week three of the finals, and um, I was in no shape, and you know, the family, did, you know, at times, it's amazing what, you know, your priorities are your priorities, and family was the priority, and um, it was tough to miss the footy, I've got to tell you, but, you know, there was no question I was in no shape to be calling any footy, and um, yeah, it's been tough, but um, it's great to be back and talking about this week leading up to the grand final. Well, our sympathies to you and the family was, and, and it's a credit that you can cast aside big games. I know you'd love to be behind the microphone at this time of the season, but without any thought to doing that, cast that aside and concentrate on family matters, it's a, it's a credit to you and I hope that there are happier and easier times just around the corner for the Smith family. Yep, no doubt at all. Um, we'll uh, kick on and see how things progress in the in the months ahead. Um, got um, 
uh, father-in-law to look after, I guess, in the, in the in the months ahead. Freddie's going pretty strong. He's a golfer also, so we'll get up to Brisbane and have a few hits with him in the in the in the weeks ahead as well. So. Uh, onwards and upwards. Well, as we just tell people, the Hickory Championships mm-hmm. use old wooden shafts. I yep. was unaware of that until you yep. told me recently. Were any of the old wooden shafts snapped during those 60-kilometre-an-hour <laughs> wins? No, They're I'm going to tell you. You're not allowed to do that. You'd be kicked off the court. Oh, boy. that Yeah, that would be... Um, <laughs> Heritage listed. That would be pretty ordinary. Um, no, it, there was, to my knowledge, uh, no shafts were snapped either in anger or in just in normal play. Um, there probably was a time earlier in my life where <laughs> I might have got a bit angry about having 99 shots, but um, I've become a lot more mellow as a, as a sportsman and a golfer in recent times, and um, no shafts were snapped in anger. I've got to tell you, it's a fantastic day. Um, there were 60-something-plus people there of all, all ages, um, you know, a real range of people from, I guess, people into their 80s um, through to some teenagers, um, some very, very good golfers. As I said, Alex Sutherland, the pro at Eastlake Golf Club, uh, won the event, but some really good elite amateurs were there as well, and they said, and some of them having their first ever hits with hickory old wooden charter golf clubs, and they couldn't believe how tough mm. a game it is. Um, so it was fascinating, and it was a great, great, um, you know, coterie of people, like-minded types, who you know, real historians, I guess, of the game and love the game of golf coming together. So it was great fun, and um, yeah, I was planning off the back of that to be calling some footy, but um, events have. Uh, dictated otherwise over the last couple of weeks. We're back for the grand final, was, and it's down to two. You're calling the Roosters and the Melbourne Storm. And aren't there some storylines this week? And one of the storylines, you know, in the, in the 24 hours or so, or, you know, 36 hours now since um, the game between the Rabbitohs and the Roosters on Saturday night, the, uh, you know, I basically haven't spent much time doing anything other than, you know, the priorities over the past couple of weeks. But I jumped on Twitter a couple of times and I saw some reaction from people saying, because I, I, the one tweet I did say was, you know, um, I think a riveting grand final coming up, obviously with the storylines, which we'll go through mm. in a moment. Um, and the people were like, oh, yeah, riveting. It's the Storm and the Roosters, you know, they've been there a lot. But you go back to the middle of the season as we've, you know, gone through over the course of the, the year on the podcast. Well, at the midpoint of the season, the Storm were running fifth and the Roosters were running sixth. So where did and they no, rate your no, mid-year review? Remember when you did that and you said who would be there on yeah, the they, last Yeah, they week? certainly weren't in the... Or were the Storm potentially... I had to go back to the... I haven't got the yeah. computer in front of me, but, mm. you know, we didn't have... Um, I guess we had keep the last Sunday of September free, I question guess, mark? for both of them, but with, with, but with question marks mm. because they were at the midpoint... Uh, Melbourne were fifth and the Roosters were sixth and all the talk was about the Panthers who were first, the Dragons who were second, uh, the Rabbitohs who were third, the Warriors were still there in fourth place. I mean, it, it was looking like a potentially a Dragons. The Rabbitohs had gone on a five or six game winning streak at that stage and would continue on to re- reel off another four or five wins. Um, so it's been anything but a foregone conclusion, this Rabideau, oh, sorry, Roosters storm grand final for much of the season. I mean, the timing and the coaching efforts of both Craig Bellamy and Trent Robinson to get their teams right at the end of the season to finish first and second as they did respectively and then win in week one, which gives you the massive advantage. And the moment Melbourne won in week one and then had the rest, they were getting players back from injury and suspension and Will Chambers and Nelson Asif for Solomona, um, they were always going to be super tough to beat down there. And they, they got the Sharks, I guess, at the right time with injuries mm. dictating the Sharks were well below their best going 
into that game. And I guess a bit the same for the Rabbitohs, who some wounds were self-inflicted, um, some mm. weren't, and the Roosters were, were ripe to get them as well. So, you know, timing, I guess, in all sport is, is everything, isn't it? And the timing's delicious for Melbourne and the Roosters. The value of the week off was oh so evident this year because both the Sharks and South Sydney, to me, lacking so much vigour in comparison with what they had shown at different stages of the season, it was a it was a carbon copy from Friday to Saturday. The team forced to endure the slog in week two just couldn't provide, couldn't lift mm. when a grand final berth was on the line. They played two hard games in week one and week two. But if you put that, that was the whole theme of the season, wasn't it? Everyone was so close. So if you put any of the teams in the bottom four of the eight in the top four, and if they win week one, that week is so valuable. Mm. I mean. Um, the, the fact that Cronulla lost all those players to injury heading into that game and it just meant they were completely um, underdone and the Storm were fresher. Um, unfortunately, it affected the contest as well but um, and the Roosters fresh as well but also defensively just so spot on. The Rabbitohs had... They just looked like they were frustrated into a loss. They couldn't find anything. The yeah. best attacking team in the comp comes up with yeah. two penalty goals only was. Hmm. And... Further to that, you know, that was the tag they earned, I guess, during that middle part of the season when they reeled off all those wins in a row, the Rabbitohs. But, you know, you go back through their form line coming into the finals, they lost to the Roosters, they lost to the Broncos, lost to the Raiders. They beat the Tigers in round 25. But, you know, honestly, that's that's a training run. Um, and then lose in week one, managed to get through week two. That was their grand final, week one in Melbourne against Melbourne. They lose yeah. by one point. If they win that game and have the drama that they had, but they had the week off to deal with that drama. Yeah. Anyway, totally different Potent- story. Potentially, got, yeah, things are different, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, you've got to win that game, have a week off, and a different story. Yeah, so it's, it's, I think it, it is a, a big advantage to you know finish in that top four and win in week one. But mm. just to finish the point, you know, the, the Rabbitohs' attack, oh, for mine, just hasn't been quite as sharp as it was through that middle part of the season. The, the left-hand side, the timing just hasn't been there as much. It's, they've had their moments, and they were pretty good, obviously, in week one. They scored more than enough points, as we know, to beat Melbourne down there in Melbourne, but couldn't get the job done. Mm. Um, oh, just something, just what they just weren't as good. It was a missed opportunity, because they had a lot of opportunity Big window to for score. Them. Yeah. Um, Damien Cook is so important to them. And I think Mick Ennis didn't hold back in his mm. uh, criticism of his form and performance in that one game. But it just goes to show if someone who is so vital in your team is not at their best at this time of year, your opportunity's gone. Yeah. And Damien knew that. He was in tears it at was the end. horrible. He knew that see. he'd blown yeah. the chance. It wasn't good to see, you're no, right. No, you don't want to see that. Uh, just I mean, off the back of you, you know... For, Playmakers and the attack works off the back of what happens, obviously, in the middle of the field and the, the go for. You know, when they ran off all those wins in a row in the middle of the season, the Rabbitohs, the forward pack was doing it. They were just getting better and better. And they were rolling down the field so well week after week. Um, the Burgess brothers, the trio of them, were tremendous at that time. They just weren't quite as good, were they? Over the last month, five, sort of six weeks of the season, they just didn't quite have it as well. And maybe that win 
against the Tigers, covered up a few a few cracks that had appeared in that that three week that three week run before that with those losses mm. to the Roosters, the Broncos, and the Raiders. I found it really interesting hearing Anthony Seabold, who I always find very fascinating to listen to, because he offers more than just the stock standard answers. And I was driving home because I did the women's game at Allianz Stadium, mm. and I was stuck in in the car park of traffic of everyone coming in as I'm trying to get out. And Seabold was on Triple M and. He was so interesting, and this was just half an hour before kickoff. And he talked about the makeup of his bench, and he has Heimel Hunt on there, and he calls him a replacement player. So he never intend he's not a interchange; he's his replacement. So he has him there basically for a head knock or if something happens to his back line, but he doesn't intend to use him. Dean Britt, he said he's only going to use for fifteen minutes. I find that really interesting going into a massive game, knowing that you've got two blokes on your interchange. If a game's not going right for you, or if you know the circumstances change if your forwards are running out of puff because the opposition's defense is unbelievable you've got two blokes on the bench who you don't intend to use or not so he's basically saying we're going to make it a game of 15 and a bit on 17 or i'm going to back my boys to be super fit Mm. at game 20 what of the season against a team that's well rested it's just a big gamble. I don't know. I, I was so interested in it pre-game, but thinking of it now, whether that's a liability to only have two useful interchanges. Well, they've got interchange cards on the sideline. I felt like saying they should give Tom and George a baton because it was like they just changed the baton between each other. Mm. You know, one off, one on. He said on. one will always be on the yeah. field. Yeah. He, they have to always be on. Well, they made just the one change in the first half and Cameron Murray was that one change. So they had seven up their sleeve, but obviously um, for contingencies... In the second half, but you know, only using the one interchange in the first half and going in with that mindset that I've got, you know, a spare backline player if I need him. But really, he's in a glass case and it's break in emergency only mm. for them, number seventeen on the bench. Um, so it means you're playing a sixteen-man game, and as you said, Dean Britt's only going to play limited minutes. So really, it's a fifteen and a bit mm. man game. It leaves yourself to be open to be second guessed doesn't it? And it, the fact that they've come up a game short mm. of the grand final in a season in which they had a great chance, given their form through the majority of the season, when you go to the win the premiership. When you go to the field, you go to Roosters, and when Trent Robinson made a huge decision pre-game to give Momorowski a, a crack at centre in a massive, massive game, I know the family of fans I have at home were like, whoa, this is a really big decision from him. This could backfire. He learnt from last year perhaps that by being safe and putting Mitch Orbison in the centres and, and Ryan, Ryan Madison. Madison in a massive game, they they lost and mm. and went out the back door. So he's gone, no, I gave those kids, and you were there, Maddie, when yep. he made his debut on the Gold Coast and how happy they were and all the amazing um, energy it gives a team to see young guys come through during the season and to kill it, and then he gets his shot, and it worked. And, and I was when you mentioned round 18 on the Gold Coast, yes, they were happy, but they were more than that. They were confident and they were composed. Because he rested and everybody. And that's they, right. Yeah. And the post-game interview, they weren't like pimply, nervous... Um, <laughs> unable to speak teenagers they were really confident competent Thank young you. men they, they really struck me those three really struck me and as Paul Momorowski made a mistake early but but still looked to get involved and the quality far outweighed any mistakes or blots on his game mm. I thought I shouldn't be surprised which then leads into another discussion if O'Sullivan That's is as right. confident and as composed as Momorowski and if Momorowski can do the job then surely O'Sullivan can do the job, but he would be the youngest halfback, sorry, the least experienced halfback in a grand final ever. Do the Roosters roll that 
dice is Trent Robinson willing to take that gamble to throw O'Sullivan in for an injured Cooper Cronk, who I'm sure won't be there. You cannot play with that shoulder injury rated as severe, surely. I will be amazed if he plays. So then the question is, is it Ryan Madison or is it O'Sullivan? And after Momorowski, how does that weigh into your decision-making, given that one youngster has done it? Why not give a second bloke a crack? Mm. Was I, I'm going to make a prediction here. I think, I think Cooper Cronk will play. You think he'll play? I, I think he'll play. It'll be one of those incredible stories... But I think they will have to pick O'Sullivan on the bench as cover, mm. just in case. They can't, you couldn't go in just rolling the dice that Cooper Cronk will make it through 80 minutes. Because I, I've got to tell you, I was absolutely stunned that he played as long. He played out the game with one arm, literally with one arm. Mm. And I'm sitting there the whole time watching the game, thinking back to Origin 2 last year when New South Wales, the Blues, came under massive criticism for being unable to expose. Jonathan Thurston at ANZ Stadium in that game for all intents and purposes they were going to win but didn't win and Jared Hayne wore the brunt of a lot of the criticism for not passing in that game and we know how it played out but I'm thinking this is this is New South Wales versus Queensland all over again. And instead of Thurston this time, it is Cooper It Cronk. was such a fascinating half to watch. I was sitting there on the couch going, they're just going to smash him. Someone from the Rabbitohs, someone has been told, surely, at five of them, five of the big, um, the big name players in the South Pack, surely they're going to absolutely pummel him. And he, he managed to keep out of the line of fire for most of the half. He got hit once. Who got him real good? I can't remember now. And he got up and was like, that's it. Keep it away from Adam me. Reynolds was got Adam him at Reynolds one stage. Well, he got the him before the half time. On the littlest rabbit I've got In the second him. half, anyway. But, um, yeah, I was sitting there going, he's coming. He's surely he's done. But he got through the whole game. Um, I thought it must have been dislocated. So he's torn the rotator cuff, which is at the back, mm-hmm. and there's nothing they can do. He wouldn't admit to that. He said it's on a oh. need-to-know basis and no-one here needs to know, mm-hmm. which to me suggests, yes, it's torn. The word severe has the NRL physio saying that that would be a grade three, which would be uh, four to six weeks, yet he's hoping to Could play it be my a week later. The Roosters? It was very open and honest in conversation. I just don't yeah, I was gonna tell you, I was shocked when they came out and said, you know, right off the yeah. bat, the morning after, oh, it's a severe mm. rotator Calf injury. I was like, well, that's just, you don't see that or hear that from clubs being as upfront as that right off the bat. They'd be quite happy for the Storm to think he's not playing well, all week. Let me lend some weight to your conspiracy theory because <laughs> I thought if there was a, a rotator cuff injury or ligament damage, that y- you wouldn't be. He had an elastic band, for want of a better word, and every chance Cooper had, he was working the arm as if to keep blood going to the shoulder, as if it was like a a cork that he didn't want to cool down. And as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, it it mustn't be too serious. The Roosters were really cagey, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't think they really knew. They just knew it was a a shoulder, significant shoulder. But then he's working the arm. I'm thinking, you don't work the arm if it's fractured or ligament damage or rotator cut. I wouldn't have thought. I'm a long way from any sort of medical expert. Mm. But the fact that he wanted to keep movement in it and keep blood going to the shoulder suggested to me that maybe it wasn't as bad as everyone thought it could be, mm. which would lend weight to your conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah I, just, you know, I, I, I just think that seeing him play for, well, it was more than a half. It was, you know, I guess it was the best part of 50 minutes of yeah. the game. Um, and they'll have time to work on it now. You know, he still won't be, whatever it is, he won't be 100%. But does he need to be 
to be able to get through the game. The Rabbitohs, I thought that was an abject failure from them in their attack, in not being able to get him. Now, it doesn't mean you have to actually get to him and just keep smashing him over and over and over. That's not a bad thing, quite obviously. <laughs> but you just need to be able to make isolate him and make him make, for the, for the most part, what is an, a solo tackle somewhere between his own goal line and 10 metres out. Yeah. And the man to do that, quite obviously, is the bloke who's made a career out of that, and that's Greg Inglis, who barely touched the ball inside the 20. And I don't think it's through any fault of his. I think it was through the fact that Adam Reynolds and Cody Walker in particular on that left-hand side were unable to organise things to say, this is the play we're going to run. And the play you wanted to run is the play the Sharks use so well, that outside-inside ball where it's, um, you know, Chad Townsend, Luke Lewis back on the inside on the change of angle for a, a screaming Valentine Holmes angling into that space in between the back rower defensively and the half defending. And that on that right-hand side of the Roosters, quite obviously, would have been Cooper Cronk on that outside. And the, tar- the shoulder would have been exposed was the one that was the issue. Mm. The one that was hanging mm. by his side, the left arm and we that left so shoulder. We are awful, aren't we? We were trying to tell them how to attack that poor shoulder. Well, it, that, that, it didn't seem that complicated. <laughs> but yeah. to, uh, the, the play you think of is that Sharks play. And other teams run it quite obviously. And if anyone is going to run it, it's the Melbourne Storm. They'll, they will have plays quite obviously. They'll be able to just say, here we go. If you're going to try and force a one-on-one tackle from a halfback or a 5 eighth, these are the plays we have at our disposal. And I, I just thought it was an abject failure mm. on the part of the Rabbitohs who had half time. It wasn't a surprise. Everyone knew he was struggling and they couldn't come up with anything that, that really forced him in a one-on-one situation somewhere inside the red zone, close to their own goal line, nobody really forced him to try and make a one-on-one tackle. Uh, I, I thought that was a massive failure. That's why Anthony Seabold afterwards said uh, we weren't the best version of ourselves in that game because he knows that they should have done that more. And your point is a good one. You know, rugby league is a beautiful game because it is brutal and it's about attrition. And if you carry an injury onto a rugby league field, you know that you are going to be targeted, just like you would be told to target someone else. It's not being cruel or dirty. It is part of the game. It's part of the beauty of the game. And it's why this week, Craig Bellamy has already said, if we are playing Cooper Cronk, it is going to be strange. It is going to be really tricky, difficult and strange. Well, now he might be playing a Cooper Cronk who's injured. So he's got to develop a plan to target and torture one of his favourites for more than a decade. What a, what a strange situation mm. from winning a premiership with Cooper last year to having to attack his shoulder possibly to win a premiership 12 months on. It's just one of the many wonderful storylines, I think, in this game. Absolutely. And what about the storyline if uh, we now have decided that Cooper will be there? Will Billy Slater be there? That is the $64,000 question. I guess we will know. <laughs> is that how much it costs for it to get off a shoulder shot? I think that's probably what the fee for Nick Gabar, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the lawyer who will be in charge of their defence 
at the judiciary tomorrow night. We'll probably be charging. And if they get, they get him off, they'll pay him double. Mm. Uh, there'll be a fair um, incentive to get him off, I'd imagine. But so, sometimes the best way to make a decision is to keep it really, really simple. The reason that the shoulder charge was banned from the game is because medical experts told us that that tackle could kill people. And unfortunately, we have seen that. James Ackerman no longer with us. His brother, Andrew Ackerman, taking to social media, using his face, his identity, and with great poise, delivering a passionate plea as to why the tackle should be uh, administered or should be charged and dealt with as it was meant to be. He wasn't attacking Billy Slater. In fact, he's a fan of Billy Slater. But he said, this bloke beside me, as he pointed to a framed photo of the late James Ackerman, is dead because of a shoulder charge. This tackle is a shoulder charge. It's been charged accordingly. It is up now to the league to uphold that charge. And you know what? It is very hard to argue with that. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, there is an element in the game. If you look at the online poll, two out of every three people want Billy Slater to play because it's, a, it's going to be a fantastic element for the retiring great of the game. However, keeping it simple, should there be a shoulder charge in the game, if we all agree that no, there shouldn't be, then Billy has to be suspended. If he gets off, it will be on a technicality. And what does that open up for future collisions like that and for players across the grades? Mm. Uh, That's the question that has to be answered. With one decision, we can take a huge step, a huge step towards removing the shoulder charge once and for all. Now, obviously, there are a thousand tentacles off that, i.e., for example, Billy Slater probably committed the safest tackle he could have on Sosiafeki. Anything other than that would have been... Safe for who? Safe for, for Billy. And probably uh, why, why safer for Billy. Across? Now, I'll play devil's advocate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why couldn't he come across and just make a regulation legs tackle? At that speed, at that speed with your head and hips, I tend to think that bracing yourself like Billy did, bracing himself for a shoulder charge, mm-hmm. is the safest way to affect that tackle. Not safer for Sofeki, perhaps, but maybe it is. I'd need to be a physics and a medical expert to know that. But if you've got a, a clash like that at speed as opposed to arms and shoulders and, and knees, I, I don't know. But I think that the reason Billy affected that tackle was because it was a reaction, and that's the safest reaction. You know, you, your reaction is to go to the safest manoeuvre. But ultimately... It was a shoulder charge. I think we see fullbacks run like that more often than we care to think of, and we can't think of specific moments right now, but there is definitely, and there would have been times this year where fullbacks have run across to save a try and put their body in the way of the try scorer, and whether it's been on using the shoulder or whether it's just been throwing themselves. I think the traditional shoulder charge, and this is how I look mm. at the shoulder charge, is that front-on contact, and that's the probably... I'm not saying this isn't dangerous and this could have gone horribly wrong, for sure. But when I think of a traditional shoulder charge, I think of the forward running at a forward front on with using using a shoulder, not making an attempt to wrap the arms. But, you know, the letter of the law, this can but still see, fall into a shoulder charge. Some of the big, some of the huge shoulder charges that have had commentators and fans out of their seats have been the blindside shoulder charge where the, the ball runner doesn't really see it and that's not front on. You're talking about the Greg Inglis on Dean Young mm. that, was, that was horrendous in its possibilities. Mm. But the ones where you come in from a slight angle, so as soon as you start saying, well, let's bend the rule or manipulate the rule that if you're a crossing cover no. or at an angle, you're going to need referees with set squares and you're going to have judiciary panels that have you know, got drawing on the screens. Mm. The reason they made it as black and white as they could is because they needed to get rid of the shoulder charge. So if Slater had been sin-binned on Friday, 
and if the Sharks had benefited. Because this often becomes the thing, right? Mm. Next week, he gets banned. But the Sharks get no benefit out of something illegal that's happened. Sure. And perhaps if he'd been sin-binned at the time, which is a, a big penalty to have uh, on your team in a big final. Um, yeah. It changes the game for the Sharks. It changes the game for the Sharks, but it but the Sharks were the ones that had the wrong thing done by them. Sure. So perhaps if it's dealt with at the time, we're not seeing him be charged this week for that. Should it have been a penalty try? Because I spoke to a referee who was adamant it was a penalty try. There was a foul to stop a try, and had it not been for that foul, he, he would have scored. Put it down. And I said, what about the fact that Billy could have pulled off another tackle, perhaps? And he said, no, irrelevant. The bottom line is there was a foul that stopped the try. It should have been a penalty try. Mm. And I, look, I think everybody would like to see Billy play in the grand final. And I played devil's advocate by saying before mm. he could have come across and just made a regulation. He admitted he got himself into tackle. an awkward position. Sure. Because he was expecting the change of direction. He was mm. expecting the left foot step from Fecky, so he didn't do that. Yep. Billy's, Billy's mindset coming across is to save the try. And as you said, the best way he thought possible in that split second was to turn his body and use the bump to bump Sasaya Fecky mm. into touch, which he did successfully. Well, but, was just, but the idea of... And people have argued, those who will say that he shouldn't be suspended is that the intent of the ruling wasn't for this type of tackle. It was for those more front-on shoulder charge tackles you were talking about in the past. But again, like you said, we'll get into areas where we were using protractors. Where was he coming from? What was the intent? You can't take intent into it. All you have is to try and make it as black and white as you possibly can. And unfortunately, Billy came across, in my mind, he tucked the arm. Now, sure, there was no accidental head clash, and that, that is the, one of the major parts of injuries suffered in shoulder charges as they were in the past, is that accidental clash of heads and the potential that has. And we know, unfortunately, um, how badly that can go wrong in these types of tackles. So... I. I wish Melbourne well in their defence and, you know, what I'd love to see Billy in what will be the final game of his career um, get to play it. And, of course, it happens to be a grand final. But the rules, the ru- in my mind, the rule is the rule. And barring something that we haven't seen so far in the slow-mo, and they'll go through it with the finest of fine-tooth combs mm. tomorrow night at the judiciary, and they'll slow it down. They'll turn it backwards. They'll have it. They'll have everything there, all the bells and whistles, from a technical point of view, trying to show as to why the contact wasn't as it would seem to everybody so far. But from what I've seen so far, I just don't see how you beat it. The it, only problem is it's a panel of ex players. It's not a problem. It's a. It's a. The sentiment is surely going to come into it, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Well, you'd imagine. It although will. They would say it that shouldn't be, but it will. Not gonna let themselves they fall are setting themselves up for a massive problem, though. If they let him, that's off. right, because it becomes then it's a test case. Exactly, a precedence. Every single shoulder charge down the track will be using that. Look, he brushed his little pinky against him before the shoulder charge. Therefore, he was making an effort with his hands. If Billy gets off, let's face it, it will be on a technicality, surely. Mm-hmm. And if it was round one, would you expect Billy to be fighting this or just taking the one week and, and back in round three, for that, example? That, and the thing you brought up there is that the fact that Billy's right hand coming across may have well touched Sasaya Fecky before the impact of the tucked arm and that left shoulder, which eventually took him into touch. But, you know, for mine, that means nothing. In reality, 
because that that is incidental. Mm-hmm. It's like you know hitting somebody with a, a head high tackle and saying, "Oh, but, but I brushed him on the upper arm on the way up." Well, that was incidental. Mm. And in this case here, sure, Billy's right hand may have touched the body of. I don't know that it did. But that's one of the, the arguments that's been put forward so far is that that might be a way that he can get off because he, the first contact was with his right hand. I don't think that will carry any weight as far as I'm concerned in front of the three panel members. And and again, if it is a test case because should Billy somehow be found not guilty of the charge, well, then it opens the gates. I mean, well, and to your point, as far as the, the protractor and whatever else, like, mm. you know, it's because it was a a tackle coming across, well, people won't use that. as They'll see this as a way to get off all manner of shoulder charges in the future should he mm. escape suspension this time around. I just think it is a real test case, and I think for the good of the game, and it's a real shame, but sentiment can't come into it, I think Billy has to be suspended. Well, the rule says that it is a shoulder charge if the contact is forceful and... The player did not use or attempt to use his arms slash hands to tackle or otherwise take hold of the opposing player. Both? So, just one? No, you just only one. have to have shown that you've used one. So you, yeah, you can use one the hand, other one. One arm, as long okay. as you've got, you know, something in there. But well, you used the word bump before, was, which is obviously the term used in AFL for the same thing, a shoulder charge. Their rule is a little looser in that you don't face punishment if there's no dangerous contact on head slash neck. Do you think out of this there'll be any discussion about further refining our shoulder charge rule back to not such black and white ruling, i.e. if it's a shoulder charge, but two players get up and continue on, then we're not going to see um, we're not going to see a charge laid? That, is that, a, well, is that an the option? Minimum is, the minimum is this. This is the absolute minimum. Uh, 200 points. Yes. Down so, to 150 yeah, in Billy's case so, because there's no carryover and, and two years uh, without loading. So it's, so it's a week. But, so, what, but what the idea of making it so strong. Know, strong was that it would mean people would stop doing it. That's so the right. minute you start yeah. watering it down, oh, that wasn't such a bad one. Mm. Well, you know, well, if it's illegal, it's illegal. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, you keep coming back to the tragic case of yeah. the past and from there it's very hard to, to have motivation to want to loosen it, isn't it? Well, what's being missed in all of this, it, it has really overtaken the entire discussion around this game. Billy played unbelievably well. Mm. Other than this incident, which I w- I'm sure he wishes he could take back in a million years. No um, doubt. He had the most unbelievable game, and if he does get rubbed out this weekend, why don't you just play another year, Billy? Because he was unbelievable. He didn't look like he... He's played some of the best football in the last couple of weeks. He looked so quick. He looked quicker than anyone mm. out there. But is he playing that way because he knows it's his final season? Yeah, probably. Season? Um, Maybe. And, you know, you've mentioned Mick Ennis already on this podcast, and I know talking to Mick um, at the end of his career last year... Oh, sorry, two years ago, building up to the 2016 grand final... And Mick said, you know, yes, physically I could probably go around again, but I'm shot. I'm done mentally. Mm. Like he said, for him to do what he had to do mentally to get up for games mm. and to get himself through games, and that was borne out in what we saw from Mick on the field. You know, just the heart on his sleeve, just the way he played the game was what he had to do to compete at that level and get himself ready to play at the NRL level and beyond at times. Mm. Um he said, I just didn't have it anymore. And maybe 
Billy hasn't said that quite obviously. Mick didn't say that before the grand final in 2016, but he certainly said it afterwards. Um, maybe that's where Billy's at. He's been doing it for a long, yeah. long time. He's been through an awful lot. Mm. And despite the way he's playing and it, as good as he looks physically, um, maybe he's reached that point. But I'm open to the, the idea or the theory or the conspiracy theory that should he miss the grand final, mm. oh. maybe he misses out. Maybe it's contingent. This is the conspiracy theory of cons- or the, you know, term it in whatever fashion you like. But Billy gets rubbed out, doesn't play through the suspension. Jerome Hughes comes in, plays a great game. Melbourne win the grand final. And Cameron Smith, out of nowhere, just, mm. you know, someone said to him the other night at the post-game press conference, like, if you win, would it change your mind? He, he, he sort of didn't rule it out cold right there. He sort of said, well, you know, yeah, it'd be a great way to go out, wouldn't it? And suddenly the story was, has maybe Cameron opened the door to thinking about retiring should they win the grand final? And maybe, here's the theory, Melbourne win the game. Cameron says, that'll do me. Melbourne have got cap space suddenly. Billy says, that wasn't the way I wanted to go out. I'm going around again in 2019. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's all possible. And isn't it remarkable, this triangle of capability at Melbourne for more than a decade, you could have one playing, one suspended, and one injured when they're all meant to be on the same field together. Mm. And, uh, yeah, what a week. What a week. It is... Um, you know, and there's not always every year an injury grand final story, but boy, this is a grand final injury lead up story like we've rarely seen. Before. I wonder if Billy and Cooper have been, I'm sure they've had a chat. They're helping each other through this hard time leading into grand final, aren't they? Well, won't the judiciary hearing this week be, be huge? You know, it'll be the biggest of the year and uh, biggest for some time. Biggest for some time. Mm. And uh, yeah. Since Justin Hodges went, surely, leading yeah, to the 2015 right. grand final. So let's leave it with predictions. I'm going to say Billy will be suspended, unfortunately, um, as far as his aspirations and the storyline of playing in the grand final and his final game of his career is concerned. Um, but I think um, for, from the NRL and for the game, rugby league's sake, I think he, he needs to be suspended and will be suspended. What do you say? Yeah, he'll be suspended. Wow. What I, do you say, Lars? I I think I have to agree, but I, I find that hard to even say that he won't be there. It's, it just seems tragic that he's going to mm. miss a grand final. And, yes, we know that the rule needs to be adhered to, but it's a big price to pay. Well, funnily enough, I had uh, in the commentary box with me on Saturday at Allianz Stadium, Stephen Blocker-Roach, who was mm-hmm. suspended, missed a grand final. And he right. still spoke all these years on, 30 years on, about the agony of that week. It's so vivid in his mind. And Blocker loves a laugh, doesn't take himself too seriously. But you could still see how missing that 88 grand final still cut deep. Yep. And then I had beside me Justin Hodges, who had escaped a charge in grand final week to play and told a wonderful story about how he was relying on Aidan Guerra, the man he lifted, to actually be uh, a witness, witness and testify. But the only trouble was Aidan Guerra had been on Mad Monday <laughs> and had been less, less than um, consistent in uh, sure. his ability to speak coherently. And Justin was as worried about what state Aidan would turn up to the judiciary hearing in as to whether he'd actually get off. And he did. So it was just uh, I'm, nice I'm contrasting changing. stories. I've thought about it longer. He's going to get off. This is what happens in rugby league. Right, eh? It's there's a, there's the one way to do it, which is by the book, and there's the rugby league. <laughs> and it's hard those, to argue. Those was, panel isn't it? members will sit there and they'll get swept up in. 
I've already said it before he came. If they were living on Mars and they didn't know who Billy Slater was and they didn't know yeah. around the champion and around the storyline of this being his final game and a grand final, I know we all like to think that it's not about that and it's about the charge and the incident, but I've we've seen it so many times before and perhaps if Justin Hodges had done what he did in a regular week, he would have also copped the ban. But, you know, this is what happens in grand final week. You go, you roll the dice... You pick it apart and you find a technicality. And if the panel is convinced that that's a good enough technicality, the NRL has no chance to stop it from happening. If you were the NRL, would you consider saying to us here at Fox Sports and Fox League in particular that, you know, it's an open hearing and there are members of the press and members of the media allowed to be there. It's open for a very good reason, so it's not cloak and dagger behind the scenes. And justice is not only, sorry, justice is not only done, but it's also seen to be done. I know where you're going. Would yes. you yes. think, yes. given the interest in this story, in this case, that they would come to us and say, we'll let you cover this. You can have three cameras in the room and we'll let you show it live well, because it would be must-see TV. Now, listen, it would be really dry... And in parts of it, really boring because... No, it'd be fascinating. Having been, we've all been down, down there to see cases um, argued and defended. Um, and it can be a s- slow and laborious process, but we would have a panel of experts back here in the studio yeah. um, while the panel down there is deliberating. And our panel right here at Fox League would say, now, given what you've just heard and what you've just seen, what do you say? You might have changed your mind as to what you thought... Prior, I think it would be fantastic TV. I don't see an issue in it as far as um, interfering with the proceedings and I think with the interest in the in the game. I think we will get to this point at some stage. I'm surprised we haven't already, but, you know, I would think about that if I was the NRL. I would seriously think, say, hey, boys, do you want to cover this? And girls, do you want to cover and, this? And if that question was asked, I'm sure the answer would be yes. I'm sure <laughs> no it doubt. would be. So I'd think the um, hesitation would come from the NRL. But on what grounds, I don't know, because members of the media are allowed to sit in there. And having sat in on numerous judiciary cases, I find them intriguing, to be honest. And it is essentially exactly like walking into any court around the land, you know. Um, do they have, like, Judge Judy up there? Mr. And... Mr. Smith, how do you plea? And, and there's, a, there's a prosecution, there's a defence, it's Mr. This, Mr. That. Could I take a brief uh, period to talk to my client, Your Honour, and blah, blah, blah. It is, essentially. Uh, so I think the rugby league uh, public, most of whom have never been in the judiciary, would be intrigued by it. Yeah. And, and a case of this magnitude, why not? Now, it would add the circus element yeah. of it, and maybe Melbourne Storm might not be happy about that, and maybe, I'm sure members of the NRL hierarchy might not be happy with that. But taking a broad view, good of the game, where can we go where other sports don't? Why not? Why not? Make it happen, Was Yeah, it might be a bit late for that now. But, well, I guess you never know. I mean, still... Trust me, it's to never too late. It's One the... phone call from, from the top, we're going to cover the judiciary, it will be done. As we sit here at quarter past one on Monday afternoon, it's about 29 hours away. The case will be heard at, uh, at League Central. Um, it, I guess it could still happen. Um, I'm going to say it won't, but boy, it would be—it'll be tremendous TV. Like you, you couldn't look away. Access 
is this not the bane of our existence in mm. rugby league? I don't mm. know if this would happen in such a short turnaround, but maybe it's something we can work on for next season. Well, it'll be, be during NRL 360. The the hearing, I think, is scheduled for 6 o'clock. Mm. So you wouldn't imagine it'll be done in half an hour. So if you're watching NRL 360, Tuesday night, Fox League, 6.30pm Eastern, uh, there's a fair chance during that hour you might know. And I dare say they'll be all over it in terms of having people out there. And, and But wouldn't it be great to crash into the verdict or, mm. you know... As, as the prosecution and defence have their summaries. Uh, let's go live to the judiciary. Billy will speak, won't he? Billy will speak. Yeah, to yeah. hear what Billy has to say about yeah. it. Justin Hodges had to speak. Mm. Aidan Guerra spoke <laughs> incoherently <laughs> at times. But... And with technology as it is, we wouldn't need any cameramen in that we just have, you know, the, the little robotic cameras we have these days. Yeah. They're pretty small. Like you, For all intents and purposes, you wouldn't know yeah. that there are any cameras there. Mm. Um, you could do it technically very, very easily. Um, there was a ruling at one stage that you couldn't use... Electronic devices in there, for example, you couldn't be tweeting, Mm-mm. but 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 that may or may not have changed. Mm. So anyway, um, it'll be fascinating and a storyline that will take us into Wednesday. Uh, the teams, you know, depending on which way it goes, Melbourne will get their head around the fact if it doesn't go for them that they have to make a call. Um, it would seem that Jerome Hughes is the obvious replacement there at fullback, um, and a tailor made ready to go. And it would be remarkable that, you know, he at one stage looked like he was going to be the halfback for Melbourne um, heading into the finals. Brodie Croft comes back. He's made every post a winner, as they say in the classics, really taken his chance. He's a talented kid. We've always known that. Seems to uh, be really have his um, wits about him at the moment and playing some very good football himself. And Jerome Hughes has played some tremendous games of fullback in absence, yeah. uh, in, in replacement of, of Billy in, in Billy's absence. So... Um, Drinkwater was good too, but you're right. Jerome Hughes. Hughes, yeah. Hughes, Hughes is front of the line by a fair way. Hughes is is the man uh, to come in should Billy not be there. What does that mean? Um, let's talk about what we're thinking about the grand final with Latrell Mitchell coming back. Dylan Napa is available to play in the grand final for the Roosters. There's a couple of storylines in themselves right there. Who... Who do you think, right, let's say Billy is suspended, if it goes the way we're thinking, Matty, you and I, two out of three in this little panel, mm. what are you thinking as far as favouritism and Billy's absence and affecting the results? So I think that Cooper not playing in my, in my books would nullify Billy not playing. They both miss a big gun. You've got Latrell Mitchell back and Dylan Napa back, but you've got the might of the Melbourne Storm who've been there and done that. So... I don't know whether the events of the week will necessarily see one team rocket ahead of the other. In my mind, I would still have it down as being a, a butte cracking grand final. Um, clearly, if Billy gets off, it sways, in my opinion, big time Melbourne. Um, we won't know, probably, unless the Roosters come out and say, no, Cooper's no chance, it will be O'Sullivan, until maybe an hour before kickoff where the Cooper plays. So I, I, I think it's on paper. Uh, each will nullify the other and it'll be very hard to pick. Hmm. I know I'm fence-sitting. <laughs> I'm going to not be a fence-sitter, but I think it'll be extremely close and I'll still stick with the Melbourne Storm. I think when you look at the matchups on paper, take out all the backline players that could be out, the forward packs, the... I think the Storm, out of after their game, they'll be fresher because mm. they were a more comfortable victor um, last Friday. They're super experienced for grand final week. Um, I can't take out that 
Cameron Smith knows how to manage these big occasions really well with or without Billy. Uh, and I just, yeah, I, I'd have to go with the Storm. In a really close one, they played that really tight game in Adelaide, just the one game this year, 9-8, mm-hmm. wasn't it, to the Storm? And it was a really, as you said... Dower, but tough. Dower, slow. It was a slow... I'm trying to think back to what phase we were in at that stage mm-hmm. with the referees as far as the crackdown, oh, yeah. the non-crackdown, the, the, the freeing up of interpretations or the... Um, <laughs> there's been a couple of changes this year, quite obviously. Mm-hmm. Um but, yes, I called that game at Adelaide Oval. It was a slow contest and it was hard to get much going in attack for both teams. And I think the grand final will be very much mm. played that way. I think, you know, there may be 20 points maximum scored total in the game. And it might be, you know, it was three tries to nil for the Roosters to beat the uh, the Rabbitohs last weekend. You know, one try might be enough given there'll be penalties and they'll t- the teams will take the two. It's a grand final. They know it's going to be a low-scoring game. They're very good defensively. They'll take the two every chance they get. And one try might win the game. And if that's the case, you know, Mitchell and Mitchell coming back in particular is a huge boost for the Roosters. But then you have the question mark about Cooper Cronk. I think he'll play. Um, but I just think Melbourne, they just, you know, the timing, I get back to that timing again. And even without Billy, I think they can find a way to score. If it is a one try or if two tries wins you the game, I think they can find a way. You know, Asifa Solomona close to the line mm. is a force. Um, you know, they can they can get you out on the edges. Munster can do something brilliant on his own. The forwards can smash their way in if it goes that way. I just think they've got that little bit more about them as far as maybe grabbing a try if it is that sort of game. And, the, and their defence... Melbourne's defence. Mm. Best two defensive teams in the league. Potentially has the chance to put the Roosters to sleep. Well, uh, having fence sat at the start of it, you've both gone for (laughs) Melbourne. I'm going for the Roosters because I've said for the best part of a month, I think the Roosters can win the premiership. It would come down, in my mind, to this judiciary result on Tuesday night. If Billy plays, I'll be so tempted to think that Melbourne can win. But if he doesn't, that's uh, the Roosters for me. Mm. And surprise, surprise, big... the judiciary has just dropped in my inbox. Yes. Billy Slater, shoulder charge, pleading not guilty. That's <laughs> yeah. official now. Yep. The judiciary hearing, 6 p.m. Tuesday. Tuesday night. Yeah, uh, the big day, it could be for the Roosters. They've got both their women's and their men's team playing mm. on grand final day. And um, it would be huge to see both of them lift premiership trophies on what a historic moment that would be. Same club. The women coming from the clouds because they were last heading into that final day of the very short preliminary NRLW season. They had to win by two points. So theoretically, if they'd won that game 2-0, they would have scored 10 points across three games and qualified for the grand final. But the key is, the key is they haven't conceded a number. The other teams that have lost, they've lost big time. So So it seems like the defence goes through the club. Absolutely. It's all about defence at the races. And their coach, Adam Hardigan, spoke to him yesterday. He said, I feel like the best is yet to come. He's feeling really good after that win on the weekend. And we've got the interest or the state championship. With, um, and, yep. yeah, the Redcliffe Dolphins against the Dogs. Yeah, I saw the Bulldogs won that yesterday. And a, a big week for uh, Renolph Tuamunga, yes. who <laughs> proposed afterwards. So congratulations. We love a proposal at, at time on a footy field. What was he thinking? That, just don't do that, boys. We oh, don't need that. Like, no proposals on no. field after the game? Oh. It's embarrassing. It's, not, <laughs> it's his biggest day. Oh, I'm happy you for you. You can't say anything. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a big, big day. I, I, I wonder how she feels about it, though. Well, she was jumping up and was down. She? she looked excited to me. 
Taylor Jane Scanlon. Not uh, about the public proposal. Um, she said yes, quite obviously. There, I've seen a photo in the uh, the Herald this morning with Renoff <laughs> down on his knee with the the box there, the ring, and his teammates holding. Will you marry? Will me? you marry me? With a little question mark. It, you know, very cute. If rugby league is quite obviously a very big part of your life, and it's probably you know the major the part, part of, of both Renoff's <laughs> life and probably Taylor's as well. And if it wasn't, um, it certainly is now. Forever. Um, I want you and Anthony to renew your oh, vows right. before the first the game at Cobra next year. The anything to do with my marriage. Oh, we'll do that. Fox League can cover that as well. <laughs> cover the vows renewal. Well, was, this, is a, this is a commentator's podcast. <laughs> yeah. How many NRL grand finals have you... You're calling for Fox League mm. on Sunday. You'll see a full replay on Fox League. We've got the women's game. We've got the state championship. You'll see the grand final as well. Yep. A question without notice. Grand final number what for WC? Uh, yeah, just made me do the maths. So the first one we did was in 2008 because for a long while there, up until... Exclusively up nine. Until, up until 2008, um, we didn't have the rights to show any of the finals. Um, so for the first... What was that? The first 11, 12 years of my commentating career at Fox Sports, we basically, we were like the North Queensland Cowboys for a long time there. We didn't play in the finals. And, <laughs> and, so, and that's how I ref, used to refer to people say, you do the finals? No, we're the North Queensland Cowboys. We don't get to play in the finals. But then, of course, the Cowboys did start making the finals, as we well know, and eventually winning the big one. Um, but uh, so 2008, we got the, so the, the and the, the thing that, made the difference was the National Youth Competition, the Holden Cup, or the Toyota mm. Cup, as it used to be known. Um, uh, it came about 2008. We had the rights to show that, and we would uh, we would do the grand final. So um, so that was 2008. So last year was number 10. This will be number 11, 11. for me, um, as far as which has snuck up on me a little bit. Hadn't really thought about it in those terms. Um, that last decade or so has gone by pretty quickly, I guess, in a number of ways. But, um, yeah, number 11 uh, for me as far as... Grand final calls are concerned, so very exciting. I'm pumped to be able to you know, do it once again. It's, you know, you want to finish off the season. Um, and Is 2015 your standout? Uh, JT's I heroics? Guess, I guess so. I mean, you know, it, it began in two, the very first one was 40 nil. Yeah. And, and I was thinking, well, you know, it was... That <laughs> no, was no Cam still, it was, Smith. No Cam Smith, interestingly enough, of course. Suspended for the grand final. Coincidentally. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, further to wow. Billy... Quite obviously, um, yeah. I, I, I guess 2015. You know, the, oh, 2010 mm. was pretty good. <laughs> 2010. I mean, that you know, they, they're all they're good. all special. The they're South all special Sydney in their own way. The yeah. the Sharks yeah. Premiership. There's yeah. always a beautiful storyline. Yeah, so. the storylines have been coming at us. They have in regards to Grand Finals, thick and fast for an, a number of years now. So um, it'll be a bit different this time around because they've both featured. I think of the last 20. Grand Finals. The Storm or the Roosters have featured in 14 of them. Thank you, Aaron Wally Wallace. The great Wall came up with that one from Fox Sports Lab. Thanks, Wall. And the storyline this year has to be back-to-back for the first time in a unified competition for the first time since 92-93. That's what's on offer for Melbourne. That's right. So hard to do for so long. And you know what? As someone said to me, yeah, if it wasn't for the Sharkies in 2016 holding on grimly late, who knows, Storm could be chasing three straight. Mm-hmm. They have been incredibly dominant for such a long period. Um, they're a remarkable club, of course. Um, the first couple of premierships were rubbed out because of the salary cap situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have proven in the last yeah, five, six years especially 
um, that they are you know, the team, I guess, of the last uh, you know, 15 years. There's, there's no one who has featured in big-time football the way the Melbourne Storm have um, so regularly. And here they are again. And I think that I think they will go back-to-back. Um, it, it will depend, of course, obviously, if, if, if Billy plays, and I, I like them even more. And I, if, Cooper still, cu- if Cooper cuddles Cam at the end of the game. That's, well, mm. and that will be a storyline that will continue on. Now, are we gathering next Monday to... Take a look at it all. What, what about the fans have a vote? Are they sick of us or do they want us back? Maybe I'm, give us some uh, social media The plan was, feedback. I think we were coming back. Are you around, yeah. Lars? Are you off on the holidays I'm immediately? I'm on holiday on Wednesday, but I'll be here Monday. Okay. Beautiful. Well, we'll be okay. back here, same time, same bat channel next week. To on, sum it up. To sum it all up, to see how it goes. Enjoy grand final week and uh, we'll see how how it all shapes up. Boy, who plays, who's available, who's not injured, who's not suspended or is suspended. It will be intriguing, to say the least. Thanks, guys. See you next Monday. Enjoy the grand final. You can take me now. I have seen it all.